0: Some of you, some of you caught that, didn't you? <laughs> Listen, it's amazing. Look, even my wife didn't get it. It's like, what's going on? What are they laughing at? It's amazing what God can use to reach, reach people. Right? We talk a lot about using our strengths, and I believe we need to do that. I believe God gives us those strengths to serve Him uh, with those strengths. And to be a part of what he's doing in the world as a whole, but the great thing about God is is not only does He use our strengths, he uses our weaknesses, sometimes he uses our weaknesses even more than he uses our strengths and uh many of you know if you don't, you know now you're going to be paying attention to it now. I've got this nasal issue that has plagued me since I have been able to talk, okay, it's always bugged me, and um um. God used that. God used that thing that's frustrated me for forty-nine years to be able to reach somebody with the gospel. Even if she thought thought I was on coke, you know. (laughs) Actually, I'm more of a Pepsi guy, but that's that's another story. (laughs) Listen, guys, we've been looking at this verse in this in this series out of Proverbs chapter eleven, verse thirty, and it says, "The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life." But a person who wins souls, or he who wins souls, is wise. (laughs) There is wisdom in that. When we are able to talk with somebody about Jesus in a way that that leads them to decide to follow Jesus, there is wisdom in that. Okay? It doesn't mean that everybody that you ever talk to is going to go, oh yeah, I, I need to follow Jesus. Listen, some people have this gift, called evangelism doesn't mean the rest of us are off the hook for evangelism okay I mean I I have the gift of preaching but I'm probably never going to do what Billy Graham did right I mean Billy Graham just had this thing about him he could get up and he would preach some of the most basic and and simplest sermons And thousands of people would come to Jesus. He just had this gift. And if you have that gift, it may come extremely easy for you. But if you're like me, you don't have the gift, but we still have the call. Okay? We may not be preaching in front of thousands and thousands of people come forward, but you will have opportunities to be able to share the Gospel with individuals. With somebody. Somebody that you know. Somebody that you know that needs Jesus. A matter of fact, we said last week that we encourage all of you, and we're going to be doing this as well, to come up with at least one name. And I encourage you to write it down. That you're going to be praying for. That you're going to be looking for opportunities to be able to share the Gospel with or to invite them to, to church or, or invite them to a church function. Okay, And that's going, to be, that's going to be your commitment and dedication for this year. Now you may want to do more than one name and if you do, that's, that's great. That's great. But I'm encouraging everybody to put at least one name down that you could pray for That you will look for opportunities to share the Gospel with them. That you will look for opportunities to be able to share your stories we're going to be talking about today. Because you know what? God values people. He values people. And especially those who do not yet know Him. Anybody here collectors? Anybody collect things? (laughs) Okay. You'll know if you're a collector... What's more valuable to you than anything? It's that thing that you collect that you don't yet have, right? Uh, many of you know, if not all of you know, that I'm a big Bob Dylan fan. And, it, and at one time, um, I, I went all out, man, to get everything officially released and even some of his bootleg stuff I would get as well. But when I was a, when I was a teenager, he had this one CD. It was a, it was a multi-CD collection. <laughs> Called Masterpieces that was not available in the United States. And this was back before, you know, the internet was, was huge. You could just get on the internet and order thing from anywhere kind of thing. And so my, my, my eyes were set on reaching this goal of getting this CD. It was called Masterpieces and it was like, a, it was like a greatest hits type of collection. I had every other official release he had had up to that point except for this one and I had to get it. And I did. I eventually got it. I, uh, I, had a, um, I had a relative who was in the military and they were in a foreign country and they were able to get it for me in a foreign country and bring it back home to me. <laughs> I tell you, there was a time as well that I used to uh, collect Hot Wheels. Hot Wheels cars. I used to race them as well. But Tammy and I used to travel like across state lines to, to Hot Wheel races. These downhill hot wheel races. But they have this thing, and it used to be cooler than it is now. They've made adjustments to it. It's not quite as cool, but used to. They had these things that they called treasure hunts, which they would limit the production on those particular cars. And they would release one, approximately one every month. And every year, you would have 12 different treasure hunts. And so when I got into collecting these hot wheels, it was before Tammy and I was married. And I was I was working at a uh, a a car manufacturing place. I was I was building Toyotas, Avalons, and Camrys. Okay, and I would get off at like two o'clock in the morning, and I would stop by Wal- uh, like three WalMarts on the way home, and I would go in because listen, the good stuff would disappear by daylight. And if you wanted the good stuff, you had to get it because there were always people in there looking through the Hot Wheels stuff when I would go into these stores. <laughs> and so I would go in here and I would look and I would try to find the ones that, that were good and stuff, but I never did find treasure hunts until one day <laughs> I went into this Walmart and I was looking through them and I was like, oh, there it is. That's a treasure hunt. Man, I thought I had found the holy grail. Man, I pulled that thing off and I and I went up and I purchased it. Like I said, this is before Tammy and I were married. We lived in separate places, but I went over the middle of the night and I was knocking on her door. Tammy, 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 you gotta wake up. You won't believe this. And she comes to the door, she's like, What? I was like, I found the treasure hunt. You know, I was excited, man. I was excited for this. Why? Because I couldn't find it. And when there's something that is lost and you really want it, you tend to put a high value on that, don't you? I think we see this in Luke chapter 15. We're not going to read through that, but I would encourage you to read that today or at least this week. does it take long to read through Luke chapter 15. <laughs> but in Luke chapter 15, uh, Jesus tells three different stories about things that were lost. He talks about this lost sheep and the shepherd was watching over supposed to be a hundred sheep, but he noticed there were only ninety nine. And when he noticed there were only ninety nine, guess where his main concern went? To the one, the one. Matter of fact, he left the ninety nine temporarily to go on an all-out search for that one lost sheep. And when he found it, he brought it home and he celebrated. He celebrated the fact that he had found this sheep that once was lost but now is found. And then Jesus tells a story about a lady who had lost a coin somewhere in her house. And when she realized she had lost this coin, which coin was the most important to her at that time? The lost coin. I mean, it wasn't. Look at all these coins. No, I lost one, and she went on. It went on an all-out search for this coin. She was moving furniture. She was sweeping things. She was cleaning everything. And when she found this lost coin, she celebrated. She was ecstatic. The third story that we find in Luke chapter fifteen is the story of the lost son. We sometimes refer to it as the story of the prodigal son. This son who was the younger son, he said, Dad, I, I don't want to live here anymore. Can I have my inheritance now? And I just want to go. Anybody ever experienced that with teenagers? You know, they kind of get to that age. I'm just ready to go. I'm ready to chuck it, get out of here. Apparently that was the situation here. <laughs> so the father gave him his share of the inheritance and he left. And man, he just blew all that money on wild living. He was having fun for a while until all the money ran out. And he found himself living among the pigs. Okay? Which seems pretty bad for us, but for a Jewish culture, it's even worse. Okay? Because they consider pigs unclean. Have you ever seen a pig? They are unclean, right? And it's in that moment that he thought, you know, even my dad's servants live better than this. I may no longer deserve to be his son, but maybe he will have enough grace and compassion to accept me back as a servant. And so he begins the long journey back home. And if you read this chapter, and I encourage you to do that, you will see that The father noticed the son returning while he was still a far way off. You know what that insinuates to me? That even though the father did not go on an all-out search like we did with the sheep and the coins, we do sense that the father was looking out for the son every day. I mean, can't you just imagine the father going out, maybe to the edge of the property, and just looking down the road and thinking, is he going to return today? And he just stood there, maybe for several minutes, maybe for several hours. I don't know, maybe all day long at times. He just stood there waiting for his son to return. And can't you just imagine the disappointment when he came to the conclusion, he's not coming back today. He's not coming back today. But imagine the feeling when finally he noticed a far way off, as the Scripture tells us, his son was coming home. And man, when he did, he wrapped his arms around him. He brought him in. He said, go kill the fatted calf. Now we probably wouldn't do that today. We would be like, you know, go get a pizza or something. I don't know. But, it, but they were ready to celebrate. They were ready to party because the son which was lost was now found. And so we see in all three of these stories the value that Jesus puts on that which was lost. The sheep, the coin, the son. As we go through this series, and as we go through this year, it's something that I hope sticks in your heart. Is that God places a high value on those who are lost. And as followers of Jesus, Maybe we should too. Maybe we should too. I know this whole evangelism thing, it could be scary. And listen, guys, it doesn't come natural for me. There's a lot of getting up here talking to you guys comes pretty natural for me. Evangelism, one on one evangelism, doesn't. I do it, (laughs) but I've had to learn how to do it. I've had to overcome some things in order to. To do it. And I'm not saying I'm great at it. But I am saying I've grown in it. In sharing the Gospel with people. Because it can be scary. And sometimes we let those fears stop us in our tracks. And it's like, oh no, no I'm too nervous. I'm, I'm too scared. I'm, I'm afraid. I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. What if they ask me this question? What if they ask me that question? And listen, our fears can paralyze us. Let me ask you a question. If a son or daughter or some child that you really cared about was in a burning building, what would you do to try to save that child? Everything you could. Regardless of how scary it was, right? You would sacrifice your life to go you wouldn't say, well, I really haven't been trained in this, so maybe I should... You wouldn't do that. You'd, just, you'd run in the burning building and do everything you could, even if it meant sacrificing your own life, in order to save that child. Listen guys, I'm preaching to me as much as I am to you guys. Yeah. Maybe we should have that level of intensity about someone Alright, we, we may get to that, alright? We'll get to that. <laughs> when, we, when we realize that there's an opportunity for heaven and there's an opportunity for hell, what direction do we want people to go? I'm not talking about going over and beating people over the head with the Bible and and stuff like that because that is seldom, if ever, effective. But I am talking about having a heart that is crazy in love with God and with people and you want to see the two connected. Especially if you've had that connection yourself. You know what that's like. You have that hope that is within you. And let's just share that with people. As a matter of fact, in First Peter chapter three, verse 15, it says, "Always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you to explain the hope that you have in you, but do it with gentleness and respect." Always be ready to give an answer. Does that mean you have all the answers? No, it doesn't mean you have all the answers. But it does mean you have. Some of the answers, even if the only answer you have is Jesus. <laughs> Do you think that answer is sufficient for the hope that you have in you? Absolutely, it is. Absolutely, it is. And if they begin to ask questions, you know, answer them as best you can. And if you can't say, I don't know, that's okay to say, I don't know. Or let me talk to so and so, they may know the answer to that, or let me find out, or, you know, whatever. Be honest with them. Don't try to answer something when you don't know the answer. Just be honest with them. But we want to share this hope, especially especially when they are the ones that open the door, right? When somebody comes to you and says, why are you so different? Let me tell you. Let me tell you about my Jesus. And it's just sharing your story with other people. About what God has done in your life. And I love that little tag that Peter puts on the end of this. But do it with gentleness and respect. Again, the church sometimes has a bad name. Sometimes it's not deserved. But sometimes it is. Because we have, we have not been biblical in the way we tell people about Jesus some of the missionaries that were sent to reach the Native Americans in this country didn't do it in a biblical way. And for that reason, I believe, is the reason that, that they were not very effective in reaching Native Americans with the Gospel. It was, Yeah. Yeah. We, they, they had a thought, and listen guys, sometimes we fall into this, they had a thought that in order to lead people to Jesus, I had to convert them to my culture as well. Okay? Never confuse your culture with Jesus. If Jesus is anything, He's countercultural. Okay? To all cultures. And so we want to be able to share the Gospel with people with gentleness and respect. Doesn't mean that we back away It doesn't mean that we're we're timid in the way that we share the gospel. We're very courageous in the way we share the gospel. But you could be courageous and still be gentle and respectful in the way that you do that. (laughs) We're talking this morning about sharing your story. And we want to look at three parts of sharing your story. And first and foremost is your testimony. Your testimony. What has God done in your life? We looked at this verse last week. We've looked at it before. Um, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, which is the key verse, I believe, in, um, in the book of Acts. And it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be My witnesses in Jerusalem... In all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We talked last week about how this expands. Jerusalem is right where they were at the time. Judea and Samaria were the surrounding areas. And then to the ends of the earth, we see throughout the book of Acts how it, uh, how it spread out to the known uh, Roman world at that time. And listen guys, we are a result of Acts 1-8. Here in, in Glen Cove, New York, without... Followers of Jesus in the first century living out that verse, you and I may not know who Jesus is. That's how significant that verse is. But I love what it says. It doesn't say, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my experts. Does it say that? It doesn't say that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will have all the answers. Does it say that? It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Witnesses. And what's a witness? A witness is somebody who reports what has happened to them or what they have seen. That's what a witness is. Nobody other than God knows you better than you. (laughs) And what God has done in your life. You are an expert in your life. And what God has done in it, and just share that with people. The story that, that Christine shared, you know what that is? It's her personal testimony. We're going to be showing um, those periodically throughout this year. Um, and if some, we may still have openings if anybody's interested in, in doing that. I don't know. Um, but it's just your personal testimony. And you know what? It really breaks down to three parts here in your personal testimony. And I like I like to use this graphic. I think it's up on the screen. Or will be up on Yeah. B.C. the cross A.D. You know A.D. doesn't mean after death, right? It means in the year of our Lord. Living in Jesus. Okay? This is a good thing to remember how to formulate your personal testimony. What was your life like before Christ? before you made that decision to commit your life to Him. all right? That's B.C. The cross is, what caused you to make that decision? What were the circumstances? What happened? Did somebody share something with you? Something happened in your life that made you decide, you know what? I want to give my life to Jesus. (laughs) And then A.D., in the life of your Lord, in the year of your Lord, how has your life changed since making that decision? You know what? That's your testimony. It's as simple as that. Three parts. What was your life like before Christ? What caused you to come to Christ and commit to Christ? And how has your life changed since following Christ? It's your personal testimony. Second thing that we could share. (laughs) Your life lessons. Your life lessons. What has God taught you through all of this stuff? Because one person put it this way, your message is a combination of your mess and your age. Right? You bring those together and you got your message. (laughs) What messes have you gone through in life? Because we've all gone through messes, right? But God has pulled us through those messes. And as we've experienced those, our age, we have learned lessons from those that God has taught us. And we can share those with other people. Because listen, it is wise to learn from experience, right? But it's even wiser to learn from somebody else's experience. (laughs) Don't feel like you got to experience everything yourself. And the same is true as for others. Don't just sit back and say, well, I had to go through it. They're probably going to have to go through it too. No, share with them what you've learned through your experience so they don't have to experience that. They can learn from your experience. We've got a, 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 a list of questions we want to look at that I would encourage you to answer for yourself just to help you start to, to look at what are some life lessons, okay? Here's some life lesson questions I would, I would encourage you to, uh, to answer for yourself. You may want to write these down. You may want to uh, get on Facebook or YouTube and, and go back to this message and, and look at these. Uh, but I do encourage you to go through this process. <laughs> Number one... What has God taught me from failure? Because we've all experienced failure, right? What has God taught me through that, that those times that I have failed? Number two, what has God taught me from a lack of money? Anybody ever been there? Yeah, we've been there. Haven't? Most of us have been there. Where we've been in a like, maybe you're there now, I don't know. But God teaches us lessons through that. And we need to make sure that we know what those are so that we can teach others. (laughs) Number three, what has God taught me from pain or sorrow or depression? I mean, we've all experienced, probably all three of those at one time or another, but at least one of those three we've experienced in our lives. And what has God taught us in those valleys that we have gone through? The next one is, what has God taught me through waiting? Waiting. You know, you know the, the the old thing is that you never ask God for patience because He'll give it to you. You know, <laughs> and how does God teach you patience uh, by making you wait? Right? You know, what are those lessons that you've learned that you could share with other people because of that? What has God taught me through illness? Through illness, maybe your illness or somebody else's illness, somebody that's close to you. What has God taught you through your illnesses? Next one is, what has God taught me from disappointment? As you've experienced disappointment, and maybe even been disappointed with God. Philip Yancey wrote a book several years ago titled, Disappointment with God. And you know, his publishing company, which was a Christian publishing company, almost didn't let him use that title. It was like, I don't. they said, I don't think the Christian public is ready for that kind of title disappointment with God. He won that battle and it was actually the title of the book. And it's an excellent book, by the way. Um, Looks a lot at the book of Job in that book. But what has God taught you through those disappointments? (laughs) And then the last one, what have I learned from my family, my church, my relationships, my small group, and my critics? What have I learned that's a tough one, isn't it? What have I learned from my critics? Well, listen, we can, we can learn things about ourselves and all of those. And everything we learn, we can teach others. Especially if they're going through similar situations. There's your personal testimony. There's your life lessons. And then the last thing I would like to talk about are your godly passion. What are those godly passions that God has put in your heart that man, you just, you just got to talk about them? A matter of fact, Matthew chapter 12, verse 34 says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What are those things that God has done in your life that it just it hit you right in the heart? It's your, it's your passion. It's, it's what gets you up in the morning. It's what keeps you up at night. Because you see where people of great passion have changed the world. I mean, you look at people like, uh, like a Mother Teresa who had a passion for the poor on the streets of Calcutta, India. And she sacrificed her, her own self, her own well-being, and her own finances to be able to minister to the, to the, the worst of the worst on the streets of Calcutta, India. You see a person like Billy Graham like we talked about before and his, his passion to lead crusades not just throughout this country but throughout this world where thousands of people would decide to accept Jesus. He, he was doing that as long as he could walk. He was doing that. Why? Because it wasn't a job for him. It wasn't just something that he did. It was a passion for him. It's what kept him up at night. It's what got him up in the morning. It's a passion. When we read about Paul in the book of Acts, and Paul had a passion for reaching people with the Gospel and for starting new churches. And let me just tell you, starting new churches is tough. I've been a part of two church plants. And it is a tough thing to do. Ministry in general is pretty tough. But when you're starting from the ground and building up, man, it's extremely tough. And we read in the book of Acts where Paul was starting all these churches and all these different places. Why? Because of his passion. Because he has a passion for that. He endangered his life. His body was worn out. He suffered persecution. But he didn't quit because he had a passion. Do you think that godly passion in Paul had an effect on the people he came in contact with on a regular basis? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I've been here long enough. You guys know what my passion is, right? I have a passion for helping people live in their enthusiasm zone. Okay? Okay? Of course, that in, that word enthusiasm. For those of you who are new and haven't been here, my definition of the word enthusiasm is a God-inspired fire ignited deep within your soul that drives you to never settle, to live with passion, and to turn the world upside down. And my passion is to help people find that zone in their lives. I am on a mission to break the monotony of the mundane and the mediocre. By helping as many individuals, churches, and organizations as I possibly can to live and minister and work in their enthusiasm zone. That's what drives me. That's what gets me up in the morning. That's what keeps me up at night. That's my passion. What are your godly passions? What are those things that God moves in you in such a strong way that people think you're nuts sometimes? But you got to do it. Because there's a drive in there that just won't let up. When you look at your personal testimony, when you look at your, um, your life lessons that you've learned, and you look at your godly passions that you just can't help but talk about, all three of those are a part of your story. And when you share that with others, it has an impact. Even if, even if they reject you, it has an impact. I remember one time when I was in college, um, it was several years after I'd, I'd graduated high school, and we had, we had uh, come to my hometown to the, the World Chicken Festival that they have in, in Kentucky. You you'd have met. If they're having a World Chicken Festival, it would have to be in Kentucky, Right? <coughs> There, there's more Colonel Sanders walking around than you can, you can count at these, at these things. But we were at the World Chicken Festival and this guy came up to me that I had gone to high school with. I probably hadn't seen him in, in maybe three or four years. And um, he said, hey, Tommy, how's it going? I said, hey, man, how's it going? We were talking. And he said, you know, I just want to tell you, I appreciate who you were and some of the things that you said when we were in high school that really had a positive impact on me. I thought this kid completely shut me out, man, because he was—he was—he was not open to the gospel at all, and not even like I was really a big on sharing the gospel when I was in high school. But, but I was a baby; I was growing, you know. I was—I was in that stage, and so some of that would come across. And apparently, it had a bigger impact on him than what I had imagined. You don't know the impact you're having. They may reject you. They may yell at you. They may cuss you. But you know what? it doesn't mean you're not making a positive impact. Because you don't know what that's going to do down the road as you plant those seeds. So just share those stories. Now here's the thing. Your story should always lead to His story. Your story should always lead to His story and what He's done. Because guess what? Without His story, our story doesn't have that, have that much meaning if any meaning at all. His story is what gives our story its meaning and its value and its power. What story is this that we're sharing? <laughs> when Second Corinthians 5.19 puts it this way, for God was in Christ. i got to look. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself. No longer counting people's sins against them. This is the wonderful message He's given you to tell others. It is in Christ that God is reconciling the world to Himself. It's through Jesus. (laughs) And through that, through Jesus, God is no longer counting people's sins against them. Why? Because the blood of Jesus washes away those sins. And if this has happened for you, you got a story to tell. You've got a story to tell, and your story should lead to this story because this is the wonderful message that God has given us, that He wants us to tell others. This is my encouragement. We talked about it last week. We talked a little bit about it today. <laughs> um, we talked about you know who who are you going to pray for? Who are you going to share your story with? Share the gospel with? Who's your person? Or maybe Maybe a few individuals. Who are they? And I encourage you to write this down. Ask yourself this question. Who does God want you to share your story with? You may not have an answer right now, but I encourage you to continue to ask yourself this question until you do come up with an answer. And this is the year. This is the year that you share your story And God's story with this individual or group of individuals. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Let's pray. God, we love You. We worship You. We thank You for the love that You have for us. God, we thank You most of all for Jesus. The greatest expression of Your love that we could ever imagine. The fact that You sent Your one and only Son to die for us. So that through Him, we could spend eternity in Heaven. Why? Because through Him, You no longer count our sins against us. God, we thank You for that. We thank You for the hope that we have in that. But God, help us to never be settled. To never be satisfied with just keeping that to ourselves. Let us share that with other people. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand as we sing. you are here in this place,
1: Lord, you are here
0: in this place, and we worship you. Amen, guys. Thanks for coming out. Uh, we appreciate you being here, especially on a cold, uh, snowy day. Uh, we will keep you updated from week to week what um, what we're doing each week. As of right now, everything will remain the same. Um, but we will, we will discuss that this week and try to get that message out to everybody. Um, listen, guys, I encourage you to answer that question. Who does God want me to share my story with? If you don't have an answer yet, continue to, to think about that. Um, if you are new with us, I know we have several new people with us today. If this is your first time with us, thank you for being here. We have a gift for you, uh, so please uh, take that as you go out. Uh, there's a, a lady in the back that will hand that to you. And just thank you for being here, and hope you're able uh, to come back and be with us as well. Hey man, if you come back, we'll let us share more of your testimony, okay? Does that work? you come back, we'll let us share, you share more of that because it's an impact. On all of us. I love you guys. Have a great week. And remember, find opportunities to tell people about Jesus.